I'm in a southern state of mind. I could be anywhere. In my heart, I'm always there. With a drink, sweet tea. Welcome to the Report Readers and listeners to the brand new edition of the Report Podcast, energized by Celsius. It is a Thursday edition of the show. The last one of the week, we are going to save the best for last because we've been talking a lot about the draft. There's a lot of fun. We will continue to do that over the next couple of weeks and really over the next month. But today we're going to talk a little bit more about the Bucks, where they stand in the NFC South. There is a big move this week that we will get into and talk about if they're the leader in the clubhouse. Are they in last place? And how would we rank all four teams in the NFC South? I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is my colleague at PewterReport.com. He was on the show yesterday. We said he did such a damn good job. We're going to bring him back for another one. He is a regular on the show now. It is Adam Slavon. Adam, thank you for joining me. And how are you on this Thursday evening? Thanks for having me. And I'm doing great, Matt. How are you? I am doing very well. Uh, Eno wants to know where our hosts are. Our hosts are right here. We are in the building. Want to say what up to all the Peter people. We love everybody that is watching this show. Is only Bucks fans. Says Tampa. Edward says LFG. Alan Aston wants to know uh, what's happening. And Tony is always in the comments. Tony Saylor says there is no favorite. All four teams are deeply flawed. I will agree with that, Tony. Yeah. By the way, I can't tell by the small picture, Tony. It looks like you're clearly at a basketball game because there's a yeah, net by the background. It, it looks like you're at Madison Square Garden. I'm not totally sure, but please feel free to respond to what I'm saying right now, Tony. I would love to know if you were at the Garden for that one. Yeah, that's the main topic for today is who are the top four. Well, we know who the top four teams are. There's only four of them. But who's number one? We'll go on the list now because the big news was that Derek Carr – Signed with the New Orleans Saints. It's a four-year contract, $150 million. Big money for him. I'm happy for Derek Carr. Maybe not so happy that it went to uh, the New Orleans Saints. But it definitely, without question, Adam, it causes a big shakeup in the NFC South. It definitely does because the Saints now have the most established quarterback in the division. We will definitely see where it leads coming with the draft and free agency free agency in just under a week now, believe it or not. And then the draft next month, will the Panthers go with the rookie quarterback? There's been a lot of talk. Anthony Richardson did really well during the combine. The Falcons seem pretty happy with Desmond Ritter at quarterback and the Bucks are kind of in the similar boat with Kyle Trask and just having rolling with an inexperienced quarterback. So for the saints to be able to get somebody of Derek Carr's stature gives them a lot more credibility in an NFC South division that, as was mentioned, is deeply flawed. Each of these teams next year could be very similar to this year in which they're struggling to be 500 and they may end up winning the division. It could be that case once again. And we've said this before on the Peter Report podcast, but it's important to reiterate. Whoever has the best quarterback play, I believe, going to win the NFC South. On paper... Derek Carr is without question the best quarterback in the division. You know, he's a, a nine-year veteran. He's thrown for over 200 touchdowns in his career, just to 99 interceptions. 
Um, he's thrown for over 4,000 yards in four of the last five seasons that he's played. He probably would have reached it last year. He got to over 3,500 yards, but then he was benched for the last two games of the season. But that's the side of it. He was benched for a reason. You know, he had a lot of talent around him. But you look at Monte Adams. Um, Waller was injured for a lot, but he still had Josh Jacobs, the, the, the leader in rushing yards. Uh, over there for the Las Vegas Raiders. And then you look at the flip side, all of the other teams. Young talent, but way, 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 way unexperienced when it comes to playing at the NFL level. We know what it is. We all know what it is with the Bucs. It's Kyle Trask at the moment. We can't talk about anybody else. There's no one else on the Bucs roster that can throw a football. I think maybe Russell Gage might have played quarterback in high school or something like that. But But for the most part, can't even talk it's about just, RG4. Yeah, could be. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but Kyle Trask is the only quarterback under contract right now for the Bucs. We know his story. Second round pick. Couldn't move past Blaine Gabbert, local hero. Um, couldn't even really dress on game day. So uh, learn from Tom Brady, learn from Gabbert. Ryan Griffin's been super helpful as well. He finally got into a game. Halfway through the fourth quarter of the last game of the regular season, he went 3-9 for 20-plus yards. Very underwhelming. Now, for the Falcons and the Panthers, it's very interesting because the Falcons had Desmond Ritter. They started with Marcus Mariota, who, by the way, Marcus Mariota is going to be on that show uh, quarterback on Netflix. For those who don't know, Netflix has a show. It's a golf show called Full Swing. And they go behind the scenes of all the top golfers and did really well, but they have one coming out called quarterback. And it's going to be Marcus Mariota, Patrick Mahomes, and Kirk Cousins. So you're really getting like the full end of the spectrum of like great quarterback play, bad quarterback play, and everything else in between. Um, but it didn't pan out with Mariota. So they moved to Desmond Ritter. Now Ritter went two and two, so you can't totally knock the record. He went two and two. He threw for about 700-plus yards, and he had two touchdowns to zero interceptions. So didn't exactly light up the scoreboard, but, you know, obviously got two wins on his resume. And the Panthers are in a completely different situation. By the way, Corral was – sorry, Desmond Ritter was a third-round pick. Matt Corral is a third-round pick as well. Now, he got injured in the preseason. It was a Lisfranc injury, and – he was out for the rest of the season. So that's why you saw with the Panthers, they had P.J. Walker, they had Baker Mayfield, they had uh, Sam Donald play as well, a mishmash of quarterbacks. That's not going to be the case this year because it's either going to be Corral or for the Falcons and the Panthers, they have the eighth and ninth pick in Adam, as you mentioned. Could they get an Anthony Richardson? Could they get a Will Levis? Could they trade up? You know, that's yeah, another that's possibility. possibility as well. So the quarterback room, with the exception of the Saints, all three other teams, it's going to look vastly, vastly different um, in a week from now after free agency and a little over a month from now after the NFL draft. Will either team make a trade? I wouldn't go past them. the whole Lamar Jackson situation. I know the Falcons have already came out and said we're not interested. That's a whole other conversation about is there collusion? I think a lot of teams are pissed because – the Browns stupidly overpaid for Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And that's why like the whole market completely skyrocketed where it was only supposed to move 
this much, but ended up moving that much because of Deshaun Watson, and that really yeah. changed everything else. So this is just a long way of me babbling on of saying we don't really know what we have a quarterback in the rest of the NFC South right now because there are so many changing parts. Definitely. And one aspect, like for the Panthers, I don't think they're going to lean towards getting another veteran quarterback just based on the fact they've tried it so many times, and it's been just a complete merry-go-round for them. You have Teddy Bridgewater, you mentioned Darnold, Mayfield, P.J. Walker. It seems wherever they put a veteran quarterback in, they don't last long in the system. And now with Matt Corral, a rookie quarterback pretty much coming into his second season not playing at all, but in a completely different offensive system with so many different experienced coaches now joining the staff. Mm -hmm. That's where I think it'll come down to in the NFC South not just the quarterback play, but the other variables. Because you look at the Falcon, the Falcons last year and the Panthers after they traded McCaffrey and how they were able to stay in the division race just because of their run game. And the, the Falcons had a lot of success. Uh, Tyler Algier, Cordell Patterson. And yeah. then for the Panthers, uh, Foreman was one of the best running backs in the league after the trade, ironically. And so it's not going to be just the quarterbacks, but it's going to be the surrounding parts. And that's really going to determine which team really moves the needle in the standings. Yeah, I think so. I want to get to a couple of comments, but Randy Nelson here saying blank Abbott was never a local hero. You're joking, what? right? Uh, hello, wow. Randy blank Abbott and his brothers saved multiple people from a helicopter crash in the Tampa Bay area uh, on Davis Island, um, rescued them, put them on the back of his uh, jet ski and waited for the, um, the local, police and and people in the marina to come help as well. Blaine Gabbert is absolutely a local hero to the point that Tampa PD and the Tampa Marine unit gave him a coin a uh, and an honorary uh, police officer, uh, you know, pension or not pension, but an honorary police officer, police officer uh, like Medellin and the whole ceremony for him. Blaine Gabbert is one million unequivocally a billion percent a local hero there is no debate we can debate everything else on this show blank abbott is a hero there is no arguing that the tampa pd agrees that the randy you better be the one joking because you are wrong but appreciate the comment nonetheless uh randy had another one in there as well uh tom says don't tank i want a team that gives everything they got at least punch them in the jaw I do think the Bucs are going to be a scrappy team this year. You know, they're not yeah. going to be perfect. Um, there's a lot of missing parts. Things are going to change. But I do think the Bucs are going to be a tough out this year. And when you have a good defense, like Todd Bowles will run, regardless of who doesn't resign, who does resign, who they draft, a Todd Bowles defense usually comes up to, to play in each game. So I feel pretty good about that. Uh, let's yeah, get couldn't to have said it better. Yeah, E.T., not scared of Carr. I guess mentioning Greg Almond's tweet as well. Bacon Bob says Saints are winning it. Randy, with a separate comment, says we're in salary cap hell right now. Veterans are leaving because there's no money to keep them. We are only going to be a shell of what we once were. I hate to say it, but we're headed to the bottom of the NFC South. Randy, I appreciate the comment once again. And I completely understand where you're coming from in terms of there are players leaving, but I would also counter with you still have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rashad White on the offensive side of the ball. You have Ryan Jensen coming back. That's really important. 
Kate Auden is an up-and-coming tight end. Could be tight end one, could be tight end two, depending on where the Bucs decide to go with the draft. If you watch our show yesterday, we analyzed Reynolds mock draft 3.0, and he had Sam Laporte going in the second round to uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So there is still talent on the roster and under contract at the moment. Still have Carlton Davis at corner. I would pump the brakes just a little bit. Then Alien Mastodon says Frank Reich wants to win the division. Derek Carr wants to win the division as well. I think every player playing wants to win the division. Uh, but let's talk about a little bit the um, just the skill level position for, for all of these teams. We don't necessarily have to go specifically player by player, but like immediately what pops off for me is, and we know what's up with the Bucks. We pretty much just said it with Evans and Godwin, Rashad White. You know, Atlanta has a couple of pieces that definitely interest me. You know, um, like Lund, Kyle Pitts, like they have some a little something to work with there. You mentioned Algier and um, Cordero, Patterson, Cordero Patterson as well. The Panthers sort of traded away everybody. You know, you got DJ Moore, but outside of that, their don't defense necessarily is love more what they have like going on. Worth, worth yeah, the playmakers we'll, we'll, are. Get, we'll get we'll get we'll get the defense. Yeah, I'll be there. Offensively, though, don't bring too much to the table. Yeah. And the Saints, we kind of mentioned it the other day uh, when Scott and I were on. Outside of Chris Olave, a lot of question marks with the Saints, too. Yeah. With Michael Thomas, you don't know what you're going to get out of him, if you're going to get anything at all. And then Alvin Kamara, he showed a lot of promise. Like, the first few seasons is a real dynamic back, but... Last year, I think he missed some time, and he just wasn't the same level of production that maybe the Saints were expecting. Eric Jager says, the Buccaneers mock 3.0 had no tackle taken in the first three rounds, so who becomes their starting offensive tackle? The water boy? Bobby Boucher. <laughs> Good question there. Great movie. I was just yep. referencing it the other day. I forgot where. Adam, I'll let you take this question. Um, how would you go about dressing offensive tackle for the Bucks? Yeah, so I think we mentioned it a little bit yesterday in the mock draft. And if it's not Sam Laporta, because the tight end class is so deep, even going into rounds three and four, you could find a suitable either starting tight end or backup tight end. So if the Bucks, the first three tackles are going to be off the board when they draft at 19, or even if they trade back. And that's Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, and Peter Skaronsky. Now, yeah. if they were in the second round and they took a flyer on somebody like Dewan Jones, who we saw at the Senior Bowl, he did really well. Yeah. You're kind of concerned about his height and really Big tall. Big hand size, too. That, that was yeah. all the rage. He had, like, the biggest hands out of offensive tackles. And the biggest wingspan, too. So yeah. you could really hold down a side. And then you also have uh, Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. Those are both two tackles that maybe the Bucks would lean towards in the second round. Now, if they decide not to draft a tackle or to wait maybe rounds five or six, I really like the idea of having Tristan Wirfs at left tackle and then might as well try out Luke Gedeke at right tackle, investing such a high draft pick in him, just seeing what the Bucks have in him because you don't want to just give up on a player after one season and a season of just so much adjustment for someone like Gedeke playing at a small school, coming down, switching sides in the offensive line. Didn't really get a fair shot to, to really develop behind someone, was just kind of thrown into it. So I'd really like to see those two two players in Wirfs and Gedeke hold down the tackle spots, at least heading into training camp and maybe signing a veteran free agent then if they don't draft anyone. I think a veteran free agent is going to be the route that the Bucks go. 
unless they want to go right off the bat and draft an offense tackle in the first round. Yeah. But I have a feeling it's going to be a defensive back or someone on the defensive side of the ball that Tampa Bay decides to go with first. Let's remember Todd Bowles, defensive coach, he's going to lean towards the defensive side more than anything else in the first place. And they really address that. The ace in the hole is moving Tristan Wirfs to left tackle and having Luke Gedeke at right tackle, or at least that's an option. Is it the best option? No. I think the best option is, well, let me ask you, do you think the best option is Tristan Wirfs stays at right tackle and they draft the left tackle that maybe doesn't play at the rookie Tristan Wirfs level that he did in 2020, but is a guy that is solid enough that he's your cornerstone or is option B better where you move Tristan Wirfs over to the left side. He's good, but not as good as Tristan Wirfs on the right side, but you draft the tackle for right tackle. And he ends up being again, not like the rocket Gibraltar Tristan Wirfs that we all know, but gets the job done and keeps the offensive line afloat. Which one are you picking? That's a really good question. If, if I was a GM, I would move Tristan Wirfs to left tackle and we see what you have. If it's Pro Bowl level, maybe not all Pro level, I would still take it just because left tackle is such a premium position, protecting the blind side of the quarterback. And Tristan Wirfs, far and away, it's him and Lane Johnson at right tackle. Those yeah. two are the pinnacle, and then it's a tier below. So at least moving him over and seeing what the Bucks have in him at left tackle, if he's great, like the value there is it outweighs being a right tackle. But the option could still be, I think Josh Capo pointed it out, signing somebody like Andre Dilliard of the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Maybe putting him at left tackle. He did great. The Eagles have like the best line in football and he was kind of the odd man out. So having him at left tackle and keeping Worfs at right tackle, if they can make the money work, I think that would be their best bet. But just trying to get under the cap within the next week is going to be a big challenge for the team. Yeah, I think uh, people may have seen it in Scott Reynolds' Um, Bucks battle plan. We're rolling them out right now. Scott had his first, and then Josh Capo had his. Andre Diller, to your point, he was in Josh Capo's Bucks battle plan as a free agent that they signed. Scott Reynolds went with the approach, and there's no r- wrong answer to this. It's just all about like what you want to do. If you, you know, it's fantasy booking, as they say. That's more of a wrestling term. But um, Scott just like, yeah, I'm just going to eat the whole salary cap with the money that's got to go to Tom Brady. So. He had one free agent signing. Yeah. One. I for won't the, give it for away. The minimum. Yeah, for the minimum. You can check it out on pewterreport.com. So there's so many different ways to address this. It's funny that you mentioned that it's Tristan Wirfs and Lane Johnson because at the combine, you know, we're there for a certain job and things like that. And a lot of players will get asked, a lot of prospects will receive the question, you know, are there any players that you watch? Who's your favorite player? Whatever. And I was hoping that a couple of them would say Tristan Wirfs. I think Tristan Wirfs has gotten to that point where he's he's earned that, where other players will be up and coming and watch him outside of like Iowa players. We know Iowa players will go after him. And everyone kept saying Trent Williams. I can't blame them. Trent Williams is a great offensive tackle, but it, it's it's funny to hear all of the answers um, from the prospects. Never forget I, him body slamming that guy in the playoffs, too. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. He's got one, he's got a couple of those highlight blocks that you know you could just rewatch on YouTube over and over and over. By the way, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at Peter Report TV if you like the podcast, if you like all the various clips that we put up. We'll have plenty more for the draft and you know for next season and 
so on and so forth. So please like and subscribe to Pewter Report TV. I think I would lean towards moving Tristan to left tackle, but I would need like such an assurance that he's okay with it. I don't want him just to say yes because he's a nice Midwest guy and he's going to do it because he just wants to please everybody. I need him to like be confident that he is going to move there and do a, a good job. Again, maybe not all pro level, but I'm with you. Having left tackle, most important position, arguably outside of quarterback in the NFL, at least on the offensive side, side to still wide receiver. I think if yeah. he locked down Tristan at left tackle, he's going to be up for life. I don't see him going anywhere. And again, he's too nice. He's not going to get into a contract negotiation and have an issue there. He's Tristan Wirtz. Right. I think, yeah, it'd be much easier to find that right tackle. If you want to move Luke Gedeke there, fine. If you want to draft one, that's okay. But um, definitely a couple of options there. Um, let's get to a couple more questions. See a lot of people in the chat. We appreciate it. Going to try to get to as many as we possibly can. Kieran uh, had two in a row. Said, I personally don't see Seattle taking quarterback now that they pay Gino. Yeah, I almost forgot that Seattle has, I think, the sixth overall pick because they got the – the Broncos the pick. It, oh yeah, Broncos. Yeah. Yeah, the Broncos yeah, pick from right. the um from uh, the Russell Wilson trade, and they just paid Geno, so it doesn't make it, it's a you're in a weird spot. They gave Geno a three year deal, so if you're drafting quarterback in the first round, you're essentially saying you're going to sit for at least two years if Geno like really falls off. You're sitting for at least two years, probably three. Then you only have two years to decide if this guy's going to be. The next quarterback, uh, Kieran then also says, uh, I see the Panthers getting Richardson if Indy and Houston pass on him. Well, Houston's like definitely going to take a quarterback, I would think, unless they love um, Jimmy G. There's a connection there with their uh, offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick. And then mm-hmm. D'Amico Ryans was a defensive coordinator, and he's there now. And their GM, Nick Casario, he was with the Patriots during that time. So there's a lot of connections to Jimmy G. But if Bryce Young or CJ Stroud are there. Yeah, I mean, you want to have your quarterback of the future. I don't know. Like, Jim G could be there for a little bit. But you you want to have your franchise quarterback, especially on a a rookie deal, you know. Yeah. Uh, E-Note says, uh, I agree. And Atlanta has a great run game system. I think he's talking about the offensive weapons that we were going to do before. Um, Sheik says, when it's said and done, Caleb Williams is going to be a buck. That would not be ideal for Todd Bowles. That would mean he's most likely out of a job, and then the Bucks have to essentially blow it up there because if Todd Bowles is out, Dave Callis, who just got there, is probably out too. I know Bucks fans are very hot and cold with Todd Bowles. I just feel like if you want this team to succeed, it's now or never for them because yeah. they're – you could say you can get a head start to the rebuild, but rebuilds take a long time. You know, not many teams can do a quick turnaround. And I just think the Bucs have too much talent. Even so many guys leaving, they have too much talent right now to say, hey, let's throw up the white flag and, and start over. And there's never any guarantees in the draft either. Even at the first pick, even a guy of Caleb Williams stature, you just never know. And mm-hmm. just selling it now and saying, let's go get Caleb Williams. You never know what that's going to lead to. Yeah, exactly. Tony says, and Tony did confirm he uh, was in the garden for his 40th birthday in that picture. Says, when is like to start getting some heat for failing to build a competitive roster? Been here as long as Evans, and this roster has more holes than a, than a Fox News report. 
I don't know. I feel like the Bucks are very competitive. Like, let's remember, before Tom Brady got there, the notion for a while was, and Todd Munkin happened to say this in his uh, introductory conference with the Baltimore Ravens, like, this team had talent. They had a lot of good players and very much felt like they were a quarterback away. Well, yeah. they got their quarterback, and then they won a Super Bowl, and then they won the division title with 13 wins, and then they won the division title again last year. I know it wasn't exactly pretty, but to say that this roster hasn't totally been built out, I would not agree with. Um, sure, you can point to certain things and say, well, that didn't work out, but you can do that for every single general manager in the league. Let's remember, the Bucks defense in 2020, when they went to the Super Bowl, they had, I believe, nine out of their 11 starters were on rookie contracts. That's great drafting right there. That's great yeah. building. And then you had a Dominicans too. That's a great signing that they brought in um, a, a couple of years before that. But they yeah. built out the roster greatly. But you know what happens? These rookies, they perform really well. They get that second contract. It's not always going to come from the same team because that's how the salary cap is. You can't re-sign every single player. That's why Jordan Whitehead left. That's why Jamel Dean is going to be on another team. I, you can't say that he did build out a good roster when, I don't know, the the, the odds say differently. I know the great last but I don't know. Adam, what do you think? I, I agree. And it started in like 2018, 2019, when they started picking guys like Vita Vea, Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting, just building out. They pretty much built their defensive roster, as you mentioned, through the draft. And kind of like in baseball, when all the prospects come up and then you supplement the, that core with like yeah. some veteran players. And that's exactly what the Bucks did. Signing Brady, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, uh, uh, and Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul. Yeah. They were able to build around the young players, bring in key veterans, and that's what led them to getting the window open. So I don't agree that Jason Light hasn't built a competitive roster. I feel now is the time that the credit card bill is coming due, and there's only so many of the core players you can keep and try to build around. And the Bucs still have Vita Vea. They still have Carlton Davis, Antoine Winfield yeah. Jr. They're probably going to lock up. So the core is there. It's just finding the young talent, the youth, the speed that the team really needs in the coming years. I would have a tough time building out a, a specific roster. Uh, that would have to be my top five Celsius drinks that I enjoy. Because I enjoy them all so much. It would be very difficult to only pick five when there's so many awesome Flavors. Uh, make sure you check out some of the new flavors of Celsius. You got the fantasy vibe, which tastes just like you're having an orange creamsicle, and the sparkling lemon lime. That's another fantastic flavor. Uh, seven essential vitamins, no crash or no post energy drink jitters that you might get with um, some other products. Go to the Celsius store locator and and um, punch in your address. Find out where you can get a Celsius near you. I'm telling you, we did it while we were at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Works like a charm, very easy to use, lets you know your closest location to go get a Celsius. So check out your local bodega and uh, see where you can get one close enough to you. Again, new flavors, fancy vibe, sparkling lemon lime. Go check out your nearest bodega and get a Celsius energy drink. Hashtag Celsius Lift Fit. Hashtag celsius energy adam we talked about the skilled players 
talk about the defensive side of the ball. We know, uh, you know, offense is what sells the tickets now, but defense wins championships, damn it. Yep. You look around the NFC South, who do you think has the best defense in the division? Ooh. I would lean either Panthers or Bucks. Those would be my mm-hmm. top two. If I had to pick one, I would say the Panthers. They just have like so many young like defensive linemen. You have Derek Brown, you have Brian Burns, uh Gross Matus or Gross Matus. Like yeah. yeah. And then in the secondary you have JC Horn, he's a young corner, CJ Henderson, uh Jeremy Chin and playing safety. It's very close between the two. If the Bucks were to resign Levante David, it's like one A, one B. I would probably just give the youth like the edge to the Panthers. But also the Falcons, they're no team to slouch on either. You got A.J. Terrell, Troy Anderson at middle linebacker, very fast. Uh, he was someone that the Bucks were looking at in last year's draft. And they have Grady Jarrett. They have Arnold Ebiketti. He was, their, I believe, their second-round pick last year. And so yeah, they, they have a good defense as well. But the Saints, I'd, I'd rank towards the bottom just because they're aging. And they're probably not going to be able to bring back Marcus Davenport as a free agent because they invested all their cap space in a Derek Carr. So I'd probably put them down below. I'm curious. What, what do you think? Yeah. The saints one is tricky to me um, because I think there, there comes a time with veteran teams where they, if you get them in the right spot, they can be like a dominant team. I think you saw that with the saints um, not particularly last year, but like the year before that, you know, shutting out Tom Brady and the Bucks' explosive offense and that 9 nothing disaster of a game. There comes a point, though, with all these veteran teams when the pendulum swings and then it's like, okay, well, now they're too old and now the injuries are piling up, piling up. And to your point, they might not be able to re-sign everybody. You know, they traded one of their defense backs to the Eagles last year because they knew they couldn't afford them. I just... I don't know if this is the year they're getting closer to it, but I don't know if this is the year that the Saints defense completely drops off because of, you know, the older age that they have going on. And I understand that the the salary cap is an issue. Um with and also Dennis Allen being a defensive coach, he was the defensive coordinator. He obviously knows how to get the best out of that whole group. I don't think the Saints are really intimidated by anybody. They weren't intimidated by Tom Brady. Um, they held Brady in check pretty much his whole time in Tampa Bay, even the game that the Bucs beat them in in the playoffs and last season. It wasn't like the offense really had a stellar game in either one. So I, I can't put the Saints last because of that. <clears throat> i probably put the Falcons last just because while they do have younger talent. By the way, A.J. Terrell is like – the sneakiest all-pro of all time. Yeah. I, people are like, wait, what? He was an all-pro? Atlanta needs to figure out so many different things. Like, they have some talent, but they've never really all put it together. Um, a couple of pieces that are nice, but I think they still have a long way to go. So I put Atlanta last. I think I put the Bucks third, man. And I really like the Bucks defense. I just have that much respect for Carolina, who I put yeah. number one. And New Orleans at number two. So I think I have the Bucs at, at three. I just think there's a lot of questions on the interior defensive line outside of Vita Vea. 
there's huge questions at edge rusher. Shaq Barrett coming off the Achilles injury. JTS not totally living up to his potential. Linebacker of Levante David's not back. Who's playing next to Devin White? What kind of season are you going to get from Devin White? And then the secondary, Carlton Davis, cornerback one. That's great. He's awesome. Antoine Winfield Jr., he's even better than awesome at safety. But how do they plug in those spots? It remains to be seen. But those are huge question marks that I think that's why I have them third. I trust Jason Light and Todd Bowles to figure it all out. So let me start with that. I do think they get the job done no matter who it is. Let's remember, you had Richard Sherman coming in off the streets. You had other defensive backs coming in. Todd Bowles was like, okay, no problem. Let me bring them in. Okay, good to go. And the defense still was able to hold its own water. Um, I brought points about New Orleans. The Panthers, man. I mean, who thought the Panthers were going to be the, the best team to contend with the Bucs in the NFC South? You know, no one saw that coming. Even after they traded all their offensive most notably. The reason they were still in it at the end was that defense. Brian Burns, who you talked about before. Yeah, they have a young group. They have a great pass rusher with Burns. They do a lot of nice things. So that defense is, you know, that defense is a force to be reckoned with. So shout out to the Carolina Panthers. They are way better than anyone expected. So they deserve a ton of credit. Yeah. And just adding to your point about the Saints, the one thing I'll kind of debate on is the fact that they don't have a first-round pick this year, uh, trading for Chris Olave last year. So mm-hmm. I think the Bucks are going to lean defense in the first round and maybe the first couple rounds. And just having a defensive coordinator like Todd Bowles and what like his resume illustrates and the work he's been able to get out of his defense, that's the only reason I'd put them ahead of the Saints just that the Saints have such a difficult avenue to try to get young players on the defense. Because you have guys like Cameron Jordan and Demario Davis, who are two of the best yeah. at their position, but they're also like 33 years old, and they're kind of on the downward slope at this point in their career. So for that reason, that that's why I would put them maybe towards the bottom. But otherwise, yeah, yeah you make some great points. No, that, that's absolutely fair is when the age really, um, really catch up to them. And the Saints have been... It's so odd because the Saints have been in for years in this, oh, they're going to have a huge salary cap issue one day. And they still get out of it by hook or yeah. by crook one way or another with not taking too many hits, you know? But, yes, they had to trade their defensive back last season. Yeah, they might not be able to resign this guy or they might have to trade that guy. But they still keep the core intact. And I think that's important for really anything, kind of what we talked about with the Bucks. They're going to lose as long as you keep the core intact. That's okay. That's why you see Vita Vega got re-signed. That's why you see Carlton Davis got the contract as well. Antoine Winfield Jr. next season. You know why the Bucs aren't going for big deals this year outside of the fact that they're salary cap strapped? They're going to have to big, give big deals next year to Antoine Winfield Jr., who's a second-round pick, so he doesn't get the contract extension. You know they want to give it to Vita Ve- uh, to Tristan Wirfs, and then who knows about Devin White? So that's right. part of the reason why they're not going to make big moves this year is because you got to think about the next season. So I don't know how the Saints get through it every single time, but somehow uh, somehow they do. And now it's the Bucks' turn to to see what they can do in, while they navigate this uh, very difficult salary cap situation. Uh, before we get into some more comments from the fans, let's hear a message from our friends over 
at age rejuvenation. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with Age Rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call Age Rejuvenation today. Look better, feel better, have better sex using Age Rejuvenation. Go to agerejuvenation.com. See how they can help you. They have testosterone therapy, peptide therapy, and stem cell therapy as well. You see the former Buccaneer John Gilmore on the screen. John was a big part of our Pewter Game Day shows during the season. And that's a picture of him currently. That is not a picture of him when he was in his playing days at uh, it, at the Bucks facility in Tampa Bay. Um, he's spoken very highly about how much it's helped him. Peter reports Scott Reynolds has mentioned that he lost weight. He doesn't nap anymore. Um, it's helped him work out even more as well. So go to agerejuvenation.com to see how it can help you. That's agerejuvenation.com. Want to scroll through a couple of uh, comments here. Appreciate everybody with the comments. We've been getting some awesome ones. Sometimes it's tough to keep up with every single one. Kieran says, I personally see Nolan Smith or Brian Branch in 19 if they fall that low. Would still prefer a tackle, though. Totally understand that. Lenny wants a left tackle. Eater17 says, edge and left tackle, first two rounds. Can't argue that I thought Lenny brought up a really good point here. You don't see the Eagles moving Lane Johnson to left tackle. Well, the Eagles also have like a great offensive line across the board, so that probably uh, had a little something to do with it. But I understand your point, Lenny. Yeah. Kenny Stats says we don't need to draft the quarterback, in my opinion. Trask is the young QB. Give him his shot. Why put young QBs in a team to see who makes the less mistakes? Adam, what do you think about just giving the reins to Kyle Trask? Are you with it? Are you okay with it because the Bucs don't have any other options? So where, where are you at with Kyle Trask? I like what the Falcons did last year and bringing in Mariota and having him start. They maybe started him too long, in my opinion, but giving the reins to maybe a bridge quarterback, a veteran quarterback for the first half of the season, let Kyle Trask learn Dave Canales' system, and then maybe hand it over in the second half of the season if the team for some reason like starts bottoming bottoming out. But I also think that the Bucks should also draft a quarterback, not in the first round, not in the second round, but maybe somebody in like rounds five to seven and just drafting another arm to develop under Dave Canales, who has a very quarterback-friendly system. I don't agree that the Bucks should just hand over the reins to Kyle Trask. They definitely should sign a bridge quarterback. We've loaded out various names that they could look at and target, but just having a bridge quarterback for the first half of the season at the very least, and then just seeing how the cards fold unfold in the second half. This is where I have an issue with that because I think a lot of us are in agreement that Bowles is a little bit on the hot seat going into this year. Yeah. So if you go the route of, having a veteran as your starter. And then if he kind of slips and falls, then Trask becomes the guy. Trask is only getting into those games because the team 
is not doing well. Therefore, they are losing games. And if they're losing games at that point, you say, screw it, let's see what we have with Kyle Trask. Unless Trask like either turns the whole season around and they make the playoffs or you know they get on a four-game winning streak at the end of the year and end on a positive note, Bills might be out of job. And I don't think he can run the risk of putting all his chips on the table at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. And if the veteran is doing well and it's a stopgap quarterback and they're winning, well, then you're not going to see Kyle Trask at all. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because it's like, would you rather have 10 wins, win the division, and Kyle Trask doesn't play, or you get six wins, but Kyle Trask gets in halfway through the year and they win four out of their last five? You know, I think you would still rather have the 10 wins and make playoffs. So I understand. It's difficult. It's very difficult. I understand the idea and the mindset behind it. It just kind of would suffice then for Todd Bowles. Unless Todd Bowles, Jason Light, and the Glazers have an agreement that, all right, this year is going to have sprouts and tribulations because there's no more Tom Brady and they have a new quarterback. If they agree that they need a two I know he last year was his first year, but I'm looking at this year and next season. They get a two-year window to figure it out. Then I think you can go that route, but you need the job security to know that you'll be coaching this team the following season. And I don't know that Todd Bowles has that just yet. If he has a guarantee that he wouldn't get fired, no matter how like this upcoming season unfolds, give Kyle Trask the reins on at the beginning of the season and see, and see how he does. And then maybe sign somebody like Taylor Heineke or Drew Locke, just kind of back him up just in case things go really bad. But yeah, at that point, give Kyle Trask a shot and then, reevaluate in 2024 we did have a question about taylor heineke uh somewhere in this chat so apologize i did not get to it at just the moment but part of why i'm not going to get to that is because we got a super chat from our pal bucks basement thank you bucks basement for the five dollar super chat if you want to super chat us you get to cut the line we'll answer your question asap and bucks basement says a miserable day with levante david Maybe not returning. Devin White is going to be exposed. He is awful without Levante. Bowles is going to be embarrassed. So we did have a story up on pewterreport.com. Or it's written. I don't know if it's posted just yet, but it is written. But anyway, Ian Rappaport had a tweet about that Levante David is going to test free agency. Um, the door's not closed on Levante returning to the Buccaneers, but it will be, quote-unquote, challenging put that in quotations because of the buck salary cap situation this doesn't come as a huge surprise adam um i think we all kind of expected that levante is going to go out into free agency now will he stay in free agency is the bigger side of the question what do you say i think what helps is the fact that bobby wagner and eric hendricks were both released and i think teams might target those two guys as well as levante david so maybe that brings down what Levante would potentially earn from a contender that's just looking from an inside linebacker because there's a few different guys out on the market that they could draft. And also the value for inside linebackers in the 30s, in their 30s, isn't that high. So there there is an avenue where Levante David retires as a Buccaneer. It just depends on which Bucks that uh, Jason Light prioritizes in free agency. If he wants to build out the roster with a lot of cheap veterans before 
maybe coming to a decision on Levante and kind of seeing where his market is. Curious to hear your thoughts, but I see Levante David coming back at a lower price point than maybe anticipated just because of the fact that Wagner and Kendricks are on the market. Yeah, I think the Bucks want Levante back and Levante wants to be back, but Levante's not going to take a huge pay cut just to do it. I think the Bucks are going to go to Levante and say, Levante, we love you. We want you to be back. This is what we can offer you, and it's nothing on you. It's just this is all we can afford right now. And Levante will probably look at it, and that's why it's going to test free agency. And it, it is interesting with Bobby Wagner because when he signed that four-year $50 million deal, Typically, that would be a bad thing for the Bucks, And then it's like, oh, crap, now we're going to have to pay Levante that. But the fact that he got cut, I, oddly yeah. enough, I think helps Levante. And, yeah, we'll see if, if if Bobby Wagner is the first veteran linebacker to get taken or if Levante is. And it kind of all comes back to what Levante prioritizes. You know, does he want to go to a contender? And there are teams that are much more suitable to win a Super Bowl right now than the Bucs. There's obviously no denying that. Does Levante just want to take the highest bidder, you know, get the most amount of money? Because he's definitely on the latter half of his career. So who knows when he's going to get that next big payday? This might be the last big payday of his career. Or does he like the comfortability factor of, you know, going back to Tampa? So I think ultimately it will be what market is for Levante and what Levante wants. And if he wants to go back to Tampa, I'm sure the Bucs will get it done uh, one way or another. Now, Devin White, will he have his best season? He's close with Todd Bowles. I think, I think Devin's due for a bounce back here. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying Devin White is done just yet. I know a lot of people want him out of town. I'm not ready to, um, to do that just yet. We are going to rank the top four teams in the NFC South in just a moment. But first, if you're not watching Bucks football, you should be bowling over at Pin Chasers. They got multiple locations. So if you're watching the Tampa area, there's got to be one near you. Whether it's East Pasco, Zephyr Hills, Midtown, or Veterans, they have one close to the Bucks facility where they practice on a daily basis when they are um, in season. It's a great night out with friends and family. Awesome food. Very underrated from the pizza to the chicken tendies to the nachos. All great deals. They have awesome deals every single night from all-you-can-eat pizza to dollar beers to all-you-can-bowl. Um, if you have a kid and you want to throw a birthday party for them, they also have an arcade area so the kids can do some bowling and play some video games as well. Like I said, fun night out with friends and family. They got a full stock bar, full shelf with all different types of beers, liquors, wine as well so go to pinchasers.net see what deal they have for you it's also great to host a uh, company outing if you want to do that there so one more time pinchasers.net check out all the great deals that they have in store all right adam it's right about that time on paper as it stands right now i know there's free agency i know there's nfl draft coming up but as you see it at this moment Rank me your teams one through four on the NFC South. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start from four to one, build the suspense. All right, so four, New Orleans Saints. Three, Atlanta Falcons. Very close between one and two for me. I'm going to go two Panthers and one, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
All right, I'm going to explain myself because a little controversial now that uh, Derek Carr is a New Orleans Saint. What I see, the New Orleans Saints, I don't see their roster getting that much better. They put all their chips in for one player, for Derek Carr. Does he really move the needle? He doesn't have Devontae Adams, no Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. His weapons now have a lot of question marks. You have Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. He didn't perform that well last season. And at best, he's maybe a top 12 to 15 quarterback. And then just seeing that on that side of the ball and then defense, a lot of, we mentioned aging defensive players. They don't have their first round pick. They're not going to be able to get a lot of impact players. So for that reason, I think it's going to be another season of struggles for them. And I don't think they match their seven and 10 record. Now for the Falcons, they have a lot of promise. They have a lot of young offensive playmakers, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Tyler Algier, I think Desmond Ritter will be a solid quarterback. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they have A.J. Terrell, they have Brady Jarrett, Troy Anderson, Rashawn Evans. They have playmakers at each level. So I think they're slightly better than the Saints. But one and two, I still see the Bucs and Panthers on another tier. Very debatable. Not not biased at all, but I'm going to put the Bucs slightly above the Panthers just because the Bucs have more offensive playmakers. They have Mike, Ev- Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rashad White, he's going to take a step up this year. Oh, Kate yeah. Otten. They have a better offensive line, I'd argue, than the Panthers. And their defenses are very comparable. The Panthers have maybe younger, a younger, better defensive line. But the Bucs, if they bring back a couple of their corners, if they bring back SMB and uh, Logan Ryan and Mike Edwards, their secondary is better than the Panthers. So it's a toss-up, but I would still say Bucks won. If Kyle Trask can game manage, he's not going to be horrific, I don't think, in the Dave Canales system. And mm-hmm. the Panthers, they just haven't had good quarterback play. And I don't know, with so many new coaches, if they're going to gel right away. So that's my well, ranking. Yeah, well, it's all very valid. And uh, I, I appreciate the the analysis and reasoning for all of them. I'm, I'm actually in a little bit of a different one for you because you have the Saints – last you had them ranked as fourth i actually i'm gonna start from the top and go to the bottom i have the saints as the best team in the nfc south right now partially because Derek carr comes in if you want to come if you want to complain about eh, he wasn't that good last season you know maybe he didn't really vibe as much with um with josh mcdaniels as as the head coach i i think stepping into a new system for Derek carr could really help him and you know, Chris Olave is a very talented wide receiver. You know, even if you don't have Michael Thomas, I mean, the Saints were able to win games with way worse quarterback play and no talent at wide receiver, and they still got the job done. I understand there's huge questions about Alvin Kamara, and he could get suspended, but we'll see. I mean, the NFL, let's face it, the NFL Fs up their suspensions all the time. Like, Alvin Kamara probably should get a lot of games, I'm willing to bet he'll probably get way less than what he deserves. And that's more of an indictment on the NFL than it is anything else. So when I said about the defense before, their defense keeps them in in game. I think next season is the year where they really kind of fall off. I think the Saints have one more year in them where they really take it to other teams, win the turnover battles, um, even as annoying as Cam Jordan is. 
Demario Davis is my guy. I'm a big Demario Davis guy. So I think yeah. the defense kind of keeps it together for one more year. Then you add Carr into the mix. And if you have the best quarterback, odds are you're or the best quarterback play. And I think right now Carr can give the best quarterback play. The Saints are the leaders at the moment. Two, I have the Buccaneers because even with the questions at quarterback, whether it's going to be Kyle Trask, I do think Dave Canals, his offensive system with the quarterback essentially being the point guard, you still have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, Rashad White, and Kate Auden, and the offensive line is going to be much, much better than they were the year before. The run game is going to be much, much better than it was. I still really like what Tampa Bay has on offense, and defensively, more than any other player, I trust Todd Bowles to figure it out. And I, I just think you're never going to have a Todd Bowles defense. They'll have their faults. You know, they struggled stopping the run last year. But when it's all said and done, they will get it together, and you'll see a solid, maybe not great, but a solid Todd Bowles-style defense. Speaking of defense, that's why I have the Panthers third. But I have the Bucs and the Panthers, like, neck and neck, very, very close. I love what the Panthers have defensively. I'd probably put the Panthers a little bit ahead of the Bucs when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, a lot of questions there, but that's why they brought in Frank Reich. You know, Frank Reich is an offensive guy. He's gotten the best out of, you know, quarterbacks that are, you know, we're subpar, you know, and he brought the best out of them. So I think that's what Frank Reich's going to do with Carolina. And Atlanta, Again, talent there with London and Pitts and a couple guys on defense that you mentioned, like Terrell. Atlanta could turn this around. They're very, very run dependent. And that was with Mariota as the quarterback. Now, if they get like Anthony Richardson and they really rely on his athleticism and what he can do with his legs, ultimately, you still have to throw it in this league. It is the NFL. Atlanta would look scary, man, if they get Anthony Richardson and they implement that type of offense that their coach also had when he was the offensive coordinator in Tennessee. That is a scary outlook. But at the moment, I got to put them as four, you know, until they really prove it. They're a team that has had leads and then they kind of fumble the bag late. Um, they are very run dependent. Maybe that's because they didn't trust Marcus Mariota. Desmond Ritter was more of a game manager, you know, only throwing for 700 yards in four games. You know, that's not too much. And as great as run games are, that's not really going to win you. Uh, it's not really always going to win you games in the NFL. Yeah, definitely. You make a lot of valid points. Just to add about the Falcons, if they end up getting a guy like Anthony Richardson, if they build their offense kind of like the Bears did with Justin Fields and just how they're able to utilize the quarterback and kind of make him another running back. Yeah. And just the fact that, they have two guys in Tyler Algier. They pretty much got production at any running back they they plugged in. Their offense would be probably towards the top of the NFL. And their defense is, like we mentioned, A.J. Terrell, probably one of the most underrated cornerbacks in the league. And then just mm -hmm. having other players, I don't think they'll – I think for that reason they're slightly above the Saints. But the Saints, if everything goes right, Alvin Kamara returns, maybe only gets like four to six games – and Michael Thomas, he's actually healthy. They they have a lot of talent on paper. So it could go either way, but that's what's exciting, right? The drama. It's always about the drama. It's about entertainment. The NFL is an entertainment league, and obviously a lot of this will be proved once the season gets here and after all these moves um, are made. 
talk about some great players. I want to talk about some great flavors of Celsius energy drinks. You heard us talk about the new flavors before, but let's not forget about the Arctic peach and tropical vibe. The vibes are always high on this show. So make sure you get some of those uh, tropical vibe flavors or vibes in general. I like Arctic vibe. And can't forget about some of their original flavors as well, whether it's the sparkling watermelon, uh, the peach mango, the uh, sparkling orange, the Fuji apple pear, the uh, wild berry as well. I'm rocking the strawberry lemonade at the moment. So a ton of awesome flavors at Celsius. Can't go wrong with any of them. If you want to get them in bulk, you know, after you go to your bodega a couple times, you say you want more. Get the variety pack because variety is the spice of life. And why have one flavor of Celsius when you could have multiple flavors of Celsius? So go to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save and have it sent to your house or apartment every month, quarterly, yearly, whenever you want it. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. So that's going to do it for us on today's show. Just want to remind everybody, please. Like and subscribe to our social media and our YouTube channel. That is at Pewter Report for Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And at Pewter Report TV um, when it comes to our YouTube. Got a ton of great videos out. Got more to come. We got the podcast every, well, four days a week, really. And uh, very exciting week coming up next week because it is free agency so we're going to have a whole breakdown of who could be leaving the bucks who the bucks could be signing we'll give our reactions to when the bucks do make some moves very fun week coming up next week with free agency the legal tampering period starts on monday then it officially begins on uh, wednesday march 15th a lot of exciting things coming up for the tampa bay buccaneers so that's going to do it for us for Adam Slavon, I'm Matt Matera saying thank you, everybody, for watching. And we will see you next Monday for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Have a great weekend. Peace out.